Chapter 7 A Step Forward The boy blinked. Red was all he could see before him. He shifted his head, using his shirt sleeve to rub the blood from his eyes. Much better. He looked down at his hands. The resonance was fading from him, having severed his connection to his... Well, is that what the demon had called it? His skin was returning to its normally tan shade. Thick blood and blackened red viscera still dripped from his unclenched fists. The boy could feel the... thing. Demon, god, Shaseth, railing against his will. But he could manage it. He could feel that this being was somehow connected to his power, and as long as he did not use it, he could maintain control. The boy took in his surroundings. What was left of Axes's head was spilled across the earth, several feet in every direction. The camp was unnaturally quiet. Blood and body parts were strewn all over, across every surface. The scene really was something out of nightmares. Standing up, the boy felt the immense pain of his bones readjusting to their natural form as the power he'd been carrying left his body. He strode with a purpose through the camp, stepping over the corpses of, of the once deadly bandit crew. As he walked, he passed the body of his friend Craven and felt a pang of a still very fresh sadness. But he did not slow his pace. He passed Axis's tent where he knew a familiar form would be laying, but he ignored it, continuing forward until he arrived at his destination. Then he bent down, picked up his shovel, got back to work. It was about an hour before the boy finished his digging. He'd once again removed his now blood-soaked shirt, sweating profusely in the mid-morning sun. Work finished, he walked back towards the center of camp. He knelt down, grabbing his friend's body by the shoulders and dragging him over to the freshly lengthened pit. He then went back into camp, retrieving the old warrior's head and dropping that in as well. Then he grabbed the shovel began to fill in the hole. The boy stood over Craven's grave for a long time after finishing it. A confusing sadness rested around his shoulders. He did not cry. He didn't think the old man would have wanted him to. In truth, he didn't know what Craven would have wanted. He'd only known the veteran warrior for a few months, and they'd barely even spoken to each other for most of it. But, in these last few weeks, they had been friends. The boy was sure of that now. Craven the Blade was the first friend he'd had in over a year. The boy felt a tear fall from his eye at the thought. I guess I am crying. For however short it had been, the two of them had shared a real bond in this most horrific of situations. They had saved each other from endless despair. Prophet be damned. Craven's words had saved him from beyond the grave, even. The stubborn bastard. The boy felt a heat well up in his chest. The demon was trying to get out again. But he would not let it. Looking at the grave of his lost friend, he determined he would live for himself. And he'd find a way to pave his own path. He wouldn't let anyone else push him off course. The boy stood there for a few minutes after that, 
waiting for Shaseth to calm down, but also steeling himself to face what he had to do next. As he turned to head towards the next task, he thought about if he should have said something. What would I have said? He's Angiri, right? Do they even have funeral rites? The boy snorted. Shows how much he really knew about the man. But as he arrived at his destination, any previous levity faded. He was standing in front of Axis's tent. He reached out to pull aside the embroidered tent flap, but hesitated. He knew what he would find inside, but he didn't want to face it. All his feelings were too fresh, too close to the surface, and still slightly confusing. But he pushed forward, opening the tent and moving inside. The slender figure of the woman lay on the floor. There was a knife wound in her stomach that had stopped bleeding some time ago. The weapon was still lodged in it. He reached down and grabbed the hilt, pulling the blade free. He felt a pain in his own gut as the horror of the woman's death crashed into him. It was his knife. Axes had killed her with the boy's own knife. The boy fell to his knees. Tears streaked down his face as he began to sob. He cried for what felt like hours. At first, he cried for the way she had died and the small part he'd played in it. But then, he cried for the loss of her. He'd lost her. And just like Craven, he'd never gotten the chance to know who she truly was. So he cried. He cried for the times where she'd been his shining light at the orphanage. He cried for the pain she endured in both her body and spirit when she'd helped him escape from the church. He cried for the times that he'd hated her. He truly wished he'd remembered his own sins sooner. And finally, he cried that he would never get the chance to thank her for everything she'd done. When he had shed all the tears he had left to his body, he looked up at her pale, swollen face. Without thinking, he reached out cupped her cheek, and turned her head to the other side. It was almost untouched. From this angle, with her eyes closed, she could have been sleeping. He stared at her for a long moment. Then he put his arms beneath her body and lifted her out of the tent. He carried her over to where he'd laid Craven and lowered her gently into the hole he'd dug for her. He didn't look at her after that just grabbed the shovel, then hefted the dirt back into the hole. When he was done, he planted his shovel with a soft shk. Then he headed back into camp, gathered a week's worth of supplies in a pack, and saddled Craven's horse to ride out of this blasted land. Before he did, however, he trotted back over to the gravesite, stopped his mount, and said, Thank you before turning around and riding west, back towards civilization. So melodramatic. The boy froze, horse pausing as well, responding to his sudden tension. He checked the connection, 
and could feel nothing pushing against him. He moved his limbs, making sure he still had control. Oh, you're fine. I can't break through. The boy flexed his fingers and toes, making double sure that he still had his, all his faculties. The boy flexed his fingers and toes, making double sure that he still had all his faculties. Then he let out a deep sigh. You're not supposed to be able to do that, you know. The boy didn't respond. He kicked his horse back to a walk. I don't know how you've done it, continued the demon, but you've managed to trap me in here with your will alone, which seems impossible to me. But whatever happened, I can't take control unless you allow it. Good replied the boy. He speaks, exclaimed Shiseth. The boy was relatively confident that he had the demon trapped, so he didn't see the harm in talking to him. It was a long journey back to civilization, after all. I thought I'd be stuck talking to myself for the rest of your puny lifespan. Silence again. So, what are you going to do with it? With what? With the new leaf you're turning over. What are you going to do with your precious life? The boy was silent for a while. He was free now. Completely free to live his life how he chose. Now that he'd sealed away the power that made him touched, there was no reason for the church to come after him. Oh, <laughs> they won't stop coming after you. What? You can read my thoughts? This was not something he was prepared to deal with. Not exactly, but I get the gist of it. The boy's mind reeled at the implications of that. Did this mean that the demon could influence him? Could manipulate what he was thinking somehow? Relax, kid. I don't like it either. And if I could manipulate your thoughts, don't you think I would have used it to take over by now? I guess that's right, replied the boy, still unsure. Look, just think of it like I'm in the room next door and the walls are really thin. The boy settled slightly, still digesting the situation. Anyway, they won't stop chasing you. What do you mean? What do you think I mean? You're the epitome of evil to them, boy. Do you think they'd really believe you if you told them you've defeated your demons? Or erased your sin or something? I guess you have a point, he said, slightly dejected. I mean, think about it. The Nevariate is basically a theocracy, my boy. They're not just going to let people who've committed the Prophet's greatest sin run free. That could ruin the whole thing. The boy's hopes fell slightly. But then, some of the demon's words began to register, and something clicked within the boy's mind. It could tear the whole system down? asked the boy. Yes, of course. This is the prophet's greatest sin. There's a crater a hundred leagues behind us and a whole forest of glass to remind them of its importance. The whole damn society is built on the precepts and this is a big one. Okay, so it's important. You should know better than anyone. If they find out you're a sinner, they don't just kill you. They take out your whole family. This sin, this power you have, is like a disease to them. 
and they will do anything they can to keep it from spreading. I get all that, but how does me living tear down the most powerful nation in the world? Do I have to spill it out for you? Kirulia touched. The boy could feel the demon do something akin to a sigh internally. Look, if people found out guys like you, people who can control their resonance and keep it from leaking out, existed, if they found out that you could control the shadow that they talk about without killing their aunts and uncles and beloved cousins for no visible reason, well, they wouldn't just be able to go along with it anymore now, would they? The boys sat there, feeling the horses steadily plod beneath them, trying to digest what he'd just heard. So, you can teach people to control their resonance? Is that what you called it? Yes, you can. I mean, if you can do it, so can they. You've got a lot of power, boy, but you're not that special. The gears in the boy's mind began to turn, a plan forming, a vision for the future, a destination. Several minutes passed in silence as they traveled, the boy deep in thought. As he came to a decision, he began to feel excited, energized about the future. He could feel a similar sense of eagerness coming from the demon. He wasn't sure whether he should be worried about that or not. It feels like you've made up your mind about something, boy. You want to fill me in? The boy spoke with confidence, finally feeling as if he had a clear path before him, something that only he could do. I'm going to tear down the church that tried to kill me and drove my mother into madness. The society that murders whole families for the perceived sins of a child. The society that kills those children before they have a chance to make something of themselves. A society like that should be burned to the ground. And something better should be built in its place. As he thought of what he'd been put through this past year, what the life giver had been put through, the boy could feel his anger welling up again. Interesting. You might not be so boring after all, quipped Joseph. So, where do we start? The boy knew immediately what he had to do. We save as many people like me as we can, and we teach them how to control what they've been given. Lofty goals, boy. You know they're not just going to let you take these children, right? Are you sure you have the power to see this through? Especially since you've sealed yourself off from your only real asset. The boy thought about that. It was hard to deny that Navariat had thousands of waivers in the priest class alone. But if he wanted to take on a whole society, he'd have to contend with the Apostle families as well. They were even more formidable. I'll figure something out, mumbled the boy as he thought. You know, I'd be perfectly willing to make a deal. Something that could help achieve both our goals. The boy was about to dismiss the proposal out of hand, but he hesitated as the sheer magnitude of the task settled around his shoulders. I don't think so, he muttered. I didn't exactly like how our last deal turned out. 
Oh, come now. Back then, you were on death's door, and I was the only thing that could help you get what you wanted. So I took advantage of your desperate situation. I can see why you'd be hesitant, but this is different. This time, you have all the leverage. You're holding all the cards. I can't affect anything in the outside world without your say-so. The boy was silent, continuing to think it over. He could feel that eagerness growing, and it concerned him. Come on. You know it's the only way. At least consider it. Silence. The sound of hooves clumping on cracked earth filled the air. Maybe, the boy admitted. Shaseth smiled. Good, good. You think about it. The silence fell again as they rode, wind whipping up dust and fluttering the horse's mane. The eagerness had turned to excitement. Oh, by the way, boy, if we're going to be partners, potential partners, potential partners, it'd probably be good to get formally introduced. I'm Shiseth, god of chaos, peace of infinity, entropy incarnate. You get the deal. What's your name? My name, the boy whispered. His name. It had been so long since anyone had even called him by his name. He'd been known simply as Boy for almost a year now. In fact, the last time he'd heard his real name had been at the orphanage. Hysin. That's my name. Hysin. He said it twice, as if trying to savor the unfamiliar sounds. Well, Hysin. I have a feeling that this is the beginning of something wonderful. 